Hey, good people. Welcome to Black Radical Imaginations Podcast, the podcast all about Afrofuturism, Black Radical Imagination, popular culture. Now, I am your host, Kristen, a Black fat femme from the South who's Afrofuturist, hip hop feminist. And so I'm just here to share space and learn and talk this shit out that be in my head. <laughs> so it is good to be back. This is actually the first um, day of recording for the pod for these upcoming episodes I'm about to put out. And I'm, I'm so excited. Um, and of course, I got to jump into some housekeeping things because, you know, we've been gone for a few months. Um, and, you know, talk about this name change and all of the things. So let's just get into it, honey. So I did a name change for those of you who have been listening since I put this podcast out last November. Um, so I did a name change because I want the name to reflect what I'm doing. And I hold all the space in the world for Mad Bitch Connoisseur because, baby, that needed to be there. Um, but, you know, in trusting spirit, I had to trust the name change. And so, fun story behind it. Um, the first time I had, like, a, a session with Ash Johns, she talked about like, oh, you know, you saying the podcast is about this, but it has this name. So I wouldn't know that. And I was like, I think I like this name. So I ended up joining one of her services, um, Spiritual B-School. And later on, through our different activities we would do within that service, I was like, yeah, you was right. I need to change this name. <laughs> um, but, you know, nothing is wrong with a good name change. I like operating under this name. And... Of course, like I said, we hold space for Mad Bitch Connoisseur. She was a moment. Um, so I'm just happy to be operating under this new name. And it's been really good. And, and thank all of you who, you know, it was a smooth transition, which when I did finally update the um, cover, the podcast cover and the Instagram thing. So there are new Instagram names. They will all be in the show notes. Um, I went back and even put them in old show notes. So, you know, y'all just bear with me because, bitch, this is a one-woman show. And not only is it a one-woman show, but it's led by spirit and, and child. So things change sometimes. Nothing is wrong with change. Um, So... It's so, I'm sorry, I know I keep saying, but it's so good to be back recording and I'm loving the energy that I have in recording right now. So, ciao. just brief updates. I was like home in my birth city for like five months and I have not been at home that long, like that amount of time, probably in like eight years. And I really had some time to really sit with myself, do some deep work, still continuing some deep work. And like so much was revealed and like, it's just, <laughs> it's so much to say about who we are, where we come from and what we are trying to walk into. And it's so much power in really submitting into the own unknown parts of your path. It's easy when you know everything is going to happen. It's like, but 
what are you going to do in those moments when you don't know what's going to happen? And bitch, that's, that's what it is right now. <laughs> um, so I have, we're going to jump into this portions of the show. Um, I did add one section and it'll be a higher ed section. Um, that might not be a part of each episode this season, but you know, of course, spirit led where I just share some academic advice for the people in higher ed, you know, kind of getting yourself together. Um, so let's jump into the first portion, which is affirmations and just intentions. So I'm just going to set an intention to just um, walk in my path and mind my motherfucking business because child listening, the mind your business ministry is a real thing. That a lot of us got to get in check with. I'm talking to myself, so I ain't even trying to project onto y'all. <laughs> um, but the mind in your business ministry, you know, I really need to, I need to be the head member of that church. Because sometimes, bitch, I be everywhere. And how I'm attending to what I got going on if I'm, if I'm, I'm over here being, looking at this and doing all this shenanigans. So that's my main intention, to, to stay in the business that pays you. And be okay with that. And, and if the business that you stay in ain't paying you, then you need to figure out how it's going to pay you. Hey, you know, um, <laughs> and just setting, you know, an intention to just keep moving, getting rest, resting so that you can rise to do the work that you need to do. And you're not sitting up looking musty and, and, and crusty and, and, and rusty um this is not hygiene shaming i'm just saying like if you in a position to prevent those things then you know um so yeah and you know i'm hoping you know it's real nigga shit out here going on right now so i hope that you whoever is listening that you are maintaining the best you can getting your rest, resting your body. If your body has gained more weight, don't be ashamed of it. If your body has lost pounds, however your body is figuring out how to maintain through this world shift that we are going through right now, don't shame it. Um, and, and also stop everybody. Listen, it's the pandemic. People is going to gain weight. People is going to lose weight, all for different reasons. So we don't know why people are there. And it's none of our business. Okay. So I just, let's stop commenting on weight it, it, on either end. Cause sometimes people be like, Oh, you lost so much weight and people be sick as a dog sometimes. So like you're glorifying something and they might be sick and don't even know how they're going to get better. So, you know, Everybody stop talking about people weight. Weight is just gonna be waiting. It's gonna be here. And your body is is taking care of itself the best it can in this whole last pandemic and all the other shit that we are living through, that we've been living through, is just really in our face right now. Um so you know. And and take care of yourself how you can. And if you do have the space to hold some space for somebody else, then you know, do that when you can. You're not you don't have to, but you can. Um and 
Step in your power, whatever that may be, whatever that may be. So we are going to jump into the higher ed portion. Um, you know, I try to give it little cute names, but <laughs> I haven't, you know, it'll come to me. Um, I wanted to take this time to tell people if you are in, you know, if you're, you're in higher ed, working on some type of degree, child, you in trouble. Sorry. <laughs> okay. But on a very serious note, I do want people who get any, I don't care if you get in, whatever you get in, you need to be realistic. There is a very, um, it's kind of this romantic kind of this romanticizing COVID in academia, which first of all is highly just violent and disgusting because people are dying and people keep dying. People are sick and we do not know what the long-term effects of this thing is going to be, you know? So that's one. You need to get in reality that this is not some romantic period where you can just be a machine and pump out work. That is just not, <laughs> that's not, that's not going to help you because if you graduate between the next year or next three years, the job market is going to look like hot ass. I'm going to just keep it a book with you. Just my own intuition and also common sense. I mean, the job market don't look that great now <laughs> um and I'm not even in it you know but I'm like mm, it don't look that great it, so I'm like it already was looking shaky anyway so the question that you need to ask yourself is do I need this xy degree right here that's the first question do you need to leave listen I'm the queen or do you need to leave because a lot of us are in these things and we need to get the fuck ASAP. <laughs> and for those of you who choose to stay, how can you reimagine what this piece of paper means besides what you might have thought was a safety net? Which I would argue is probably not a safety net. Um anything that's going to abuse you and, and, and make you work 10 and 20 times harder than you need to is not a safety net. Um, but how can you reimagine what you can do with your PhD, what you can do with this certificate, what you can do with this type of training, what you can do with this associate's degree, what you can do with this bachelor's, what you can do with this master's. What do these things look like as we future build. And you need to, because we, the point is for the systems, these things not to be here anymore. So what, what you gonna do? Like this, this is real. <laughs> One of my, um, I made a playlist just to kind of, you know, up the energy and one of the songs up there is um what you gonna do by Lil John and East Side Boys and the lyrics say 
when them niggas run up on you, what you gonna do? Like, listen, ask yourself, get a journal, write it down, phone a friend, do what you need to do, but be realistic about what it is that you are going to do. What is your plan that does not involve you necessarily working in somebody's academic institution? Because the T is, these motherfuckers are gonna start slashing these positions. Already have, right? They got buildings they gotta pay for. Some of these buildings on these campuses ain't paid off, child. People ain't in them. Money ain't coming in. You know, so things are gonna start looking funny. So, and if you're thinking about, especially if you're thinking about entering graduate school, please really or make sure you got shit in a row because anyone can tell you graduate students get the shit at any campus in this nation. Um, graduate students and, and new people leaving these programs entering the entering the workforce. So get real. Because this is not no romantic period. Don't let, you know, you have a thousand publications on COVID and, and then, you know, you ain't made no plan for a job or a plan for your life because you've been, you've been, you know, researching so much. You can do both research and get you a plan together, but don't sit on your ass and be surprised if shit looking funny. Because what? A wise man said, no, it ain't funny when I got to talk about your money. Like, <laughs> motherfuckers got student loan debt. Like, you know, just really, really, really. I would advise everybody to start planning. You know, if you need to plan with another friend, plan with another friend. If you just need, if you like being by yourself and planning in isolation and maybe just sitting with your thoughts and yourself and your ancestors and your in- intuition, then do that. It's, it's, it's no right or wrong way how to do this. And don't feel guilty about making decisions, real decisions, because this is your, your life. So, you know, do what you need to do, child. And listen, I'm right there with you. Um, And if you do need, any type of space to be healed, you know, you can email um, me. I'll put my email in the show notes. If you need to have a conversation, a practical conversation about what to do, you know, and what you should be thinking about and the reality of what we are in, um, especially if you are at the student level, it's real nigga shit, and you just don't don't get played out here. So, the next segment is our popular culture segment, and it's all about the title of it is "The Fuck Is Going On." That's the title of the the, the popular culture section on this here podcast. And truth be told, there is too much going to fuck on. Um. Let's, oh God, because <laughs> it's so, like, there is so much to to say. So, trigger warning, assault, 
domestic violence, gun violence. And I will also put a time mark so you know when this portion, when it starts and when it ends, so you can skip if you don't want to hear this. Motherfuckers are are just really dragging the Megan shit. And there are so many things. And I'm not going to say the things that other people have said because those things have been said. But the the most foul, everything about the situation is foul and disgusting and violent. That this woman was shot. And literally is being dragged, being called out of her name, like all types of shit. Talking about street code, like what the fuck? Like it's crazy. And then T.I. stupid ass had the nerve to get up here and be like, he shot a girl, a girl in a bikini. I got to hear both sides. I don't need to hear both sides of a motherfucker getting shot. When I, there's a video of this woman walking with a pool of fucking blood down her motherfucking feet. Like, this shit is just wild to me. And I've been also thinking about how black film, women, like, we are, like, communities and families are just fucking failing us and if you don't know i love whitney houston okay like listen i every if i'm on instagram once a month i usually make a post about whitney on my twitter i talk about whitney every few months like i love whitney houston and and I literally was thinking about Whitney and I was like, look at this example of a fucking family failed. They they not only failed her, they failed her daughter. And then I'm always thinking about Toyin and I'm like, she was failed on a massive level. Her family failed her. The community failed her. There were no protections in place. Then I was, you know, People were sharing posts of Aaliyah. And I was like, wow, another fucking black woman whose family fucking failed her as well. And I had to remember to not get in this thought process of, oh, who is like, I know that we have to depend on these ancestors. We have to connect with them. We have to connect to know how to do and take care of ourselves. But it is just still motherfucking ridiculous on the massive scale, how people fail black women. And I'm just like, this shit don't make no damn sense. But I will tell you this, if you are a woman, a person who identify as a woman, um, you listen, if you like, you have, we have to take this shit in our own hands. Unfortunately, I'm not doing no like, Oh, we got it. Because it's ridiculous. But we, part of our protection is these ancestors. And sometimes even when you know and do that, motherfuckers are still violating you. So I'm not going to sit here and even romanticize that either. 
But I would highly recommend, you know, that's just like motherfuckers be like, everybody get a gun. Go, you ladies, y'all better get a gun. I'm like, bitch, if somebody is violating you, bitch, well, we're not got and then too, if I pull out a fucking gun as a black woman, what the fuck you think they're gonna do to me? Black women getting killed, sleeping in their motherfucking bed. Like, I just don't even understand. So this, I say that to say, I'm not trying to say this is a, this is because this is a failure, a failure of a system. But what I do believe is that there will be an extreme, like niggas are going to pay for this shit, you know, just in conversation. It's just so much like. We are, I feel like so many of us are survivors of so much shit that we shouldn't even be survivors of. And like, not even knowing sometimes that you have the right to even talk about some of this shit happening. Like for you to even get to a place where you can even name, yo, X, Y, Z happened. This like, and what everything about Megan hurt. And to hear Megan be like, you know, I was just trying to go on about this situation, make my music and let it go. Like, that is fucking wrong. And like, these communities, they they protect abusers. They protect abusers. Like, they they just, they keep doing that shit. And I just think about all this failure and I'm like, bro, like we really be out here like having to get it how we fucking live. And like, I'm not interested in that no more. You know what I'm saying? And I just see it's like, listen, it's also about to be Mars and Aries retrograde too. So like, listen, you know, just social media, it's just a lot of triggers, even for me, like, because I, I'm just like, bro, this is a lot, and I, when I see the the communal failure of Black women, I see how it has manifested in my life, too, like, you know, and I'm just like, motherfuckers got the audacity, like, and then let me talk about this masterpiece shit. Cause I got something to get off my chest about that too. Him attacking Monica for being married. I'm like, you know, Master P, you got a problem with your brother. You a grown ass man commenting on how many times somebody been married. You had a problem with your brother and now you lashing out on a, on a black woman. Like, I'm just like, this is what the fuck I be talking about. Um, like, and then I'm like, you mad with Monica? It was never Monica's motherfucking job to get C murdered the fuck up out of jail. That is not her job to fix systemic fucking shit in, in fucking, what, Louisiana? How the fuck are you placing all of that shit on her? See, that's the shit I be talking about. Like, people just be out here, like, pinish. I'm like, if you mad with your brother, you mad with him. Like, that's real. Motherfuckers got siblings. 
Hey, I don't have no siblings, but I, I got plenty of friends with siblings. And they be mad as hell with them motherfuckers sometimes. So I I can't say I get it because I've never been in that situation. But I'm, I understand being mad with people who you close with and, and you your family. I do understand being mad with family. But you don't get to take that out because that was never Monica's motherfucking job to get C. Murder out of fucking jail. That is not her fucking job. If you mad because your brother is praising people and not praising you and your family, that's you direct that shit to him. And you can call that nigga. But instead, you get your grown ass hands on a keyboard, type, 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 to Monica and talking about you was married two times? Like, I was so confused. And then this other woman came like, Monica ain't the only one who been to CC murder. I'm like, Damn, Monica ain't say she was married to that nigga. She just said, this is my friend. Now we dated, this is my friend. I went to see this nigga, he in jail. We stayed in contact. Like, what's the big deal? People can be friends after they date. Monica was not supposed to put her motherfucking life on hold because C-Murder was in jail. It is not Monica's job to get C-Murder out of motherfucking jail either. So you don't get just the, the way that anger was taken out on her. I was offended by that. Like, I was whole-ass offended by that. And it just, I'm like... But crickets on Megan being shot. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't have any expectation for most cis straight men. You know, I, I, I just... Listen, that's just me being honest. And maybe that's something I need to work through. But I just don't. Because I know... In moments of real nigga healing, it is black women who do their deep work and who do their healing work. So if that's not, and it is black women and, and non-cis straight men people who have showed me how to do my healing, non-binary people, like, have shown me how to do my healing, addressing who I am. And the community fails us at the most extreme level, but then we get to be blamed for some old fuck-ass bullshit. Like, it's just ridiculous. So, you know, if you need to unplug from social media, listen, do that shit. You know, call up your homegirls. Like, I've been so grateful, even today in this moment, I've had great conversations with homegirls and, like, my friends and really having real nigga conversations, but we having the moments of having a good kiki, but talking about our deep work and our healing and our knowing our roles and, and, and undoing this shit that is, is, you know, some of us come in with some stuff that happened in life. And I'm going to keep being in those spaces with black women because this shit is performative that people be saying. This shit, you know, <laughs> it's so much to talk about, you know, and I just, you know, I'm like, y'all will pay for the disrespect to women and and, and the check will come. It, it's going to come. And this ain't no, it'll come in a minute. No, motherfucker, it's going to come quick and in a hurry. And you need to decide if you're going to be on the right side of that or not. So that's our popular culture section. People got women fucked up. Again.
<laughs> Same old shit. <laughs> People still got women fucked up. So, you know, just had to get that out because uh, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, I'm just, I just hope women folk right now can just get they feeling, they, they, they healing, excuse me, and get some rest. Love on each other. Those, you know, it don't got to be a million friend group circle if it's just one or two friends, and because that's that's what we have right now. And doing the healing and keep doing our fucking healing work and know how to protect ourselves and not know you got to have a little of everything. Listen, I got listen. I got great grandma who used to faithfully carry a blade on her. <laughs> she was a little hippie woman, so she knew what was up. She knew what was up, man. She knew. I had a bunch of women in my family that carried blades on them, you know? And not, I'm not, again, we're not saying that these tools go and stop people from being stupid. I'm just saying, they. I, I'm looking at knowing that you have to take protection in your own hands. And that's a lot of that is said with the ancestors too. Getting that protection, praying it down, carrying whatever you need to carry on you. Um, and also sometimes, man, but it, it ain't even no sometimes cause it's ridiculous. Like we shouldn't even have to keep living like this. This doesn't make no goddamn sense. <laughs> um, but I do know that people will pay. And also I do believe we will be fine. I, I just, we now know that a lot of these things are performative that these people are doing. Um, and if you didn't know before, now you know. So speaking of the ancestors and deep work and and all of that good stuff, we have a great interview today on Black Radical Imaginations. It's my good, good friend, Dr. AJ and she and I are crossed, our paths crossed at Morgan State um, in Baltimore, Maryland, and just a great, one, just a, a good friend. And Dr. AJ does work in self-care and really what it looks like for you in your practical day-to-day life, you know. Like, yeah, again, you you know, going to get your nails done, going to do all, you know, your glam stuff is so important. And also, along with that, we have to do the deep work. We have to reconnect. We have to, you know, be accountable. It's stuff we have to do, and we can create opportunities of healing for ourselves and so many others within who we want to share with, of course. Um, and so this interview is just, you know, Dr. AJ dropped the gems on us, um, you know, and I'm just excited to just for everyone to hear this just good ass research. Cause, and it's not just research, but she she did this when we were um, at Morgan and the sea. All the way it has just transpired. It's just such a great thing. And I love it because it is practical. Like, 
literally the only thing you need for the deep work principle is a notebook and a in a a pen or a pencil to work through some shit. Um so we're gonna jump into the interview. Um and I hope you guys enjoy. All right. So first of course I want us to I want you to introduce um who you are, what you do, what um intersections does your work stand at what intersections do you stand at anything else you feel like sharing so my name is paris atkins jackson i go by an abbreviation of my name which is uh aj and i am all research things (laughs) on a given day i'm an anthropologist an epidemiologist a statistician or a psychometrician and that basically just means I like to take data in its many forms, qualitative or quantitative, and bring them together and make sense out of it. I usually use that to understand uh, different health experiences for communities or to explicitly hold accountable institutions for um, the violence that they do to communities through things uh, such as racism. So that's specifically what I do. Uh, <laughs> sections. I am a black woman. I'm also bisexual. Um, and any other intersections? I'm not sure that I really identify in in, in any of the disability stuff, and because that, that's always an interesting thing with job applications. Have you seen that list of um? different abilities that they have for a job they'll say do you have any of these <laughs> and it'll be right. like 30 items and you're like uh i don't know because we, we there's no way of knowing very true so too often black people don't get screened for these things or we get labeled for things that we're not um so i know there's a debate right now on whether or not black people have ptsd or they have racial trauma. So I've been diagnosed with PTSD uh, because of all the trauma I've been through. But there's a way that you can see all of that is racial trauma because much of the stuff I've been through has been sort of this passed down of trauma that then intersects with me being a black uh, queer woman in this space where a lot of violences have happened to me. So all of it still comes back from this one oppressive system. So, you know, technically, racial trauma <laughs> so, yeah. um but i'm not sure that i identify that way i do have experiences that are um uh, are diagnosable to P- ptsd but i don't exist in the world as someone who's differently abled um although i do know that that impacts a lot of my work decisions so that's 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 a something a revelation i'm having in the moment where it may not be something I readily identify, but it definitely impacts the way I operate in the world. Right. So that's a good transition into your five steps of self-care. Um, so you can start out with, I know you like to do it, how it makes sense in your brain. So just <laughs> explain you. the five steps. You know, I'm getting old, girl. I'm getting old. You know, old people can only explain things the way that they can explain it. They can't go around it. They can't do nothing else but what, what they know. It's so annoying. Uh, and I'm getting like that. I'm like, ah. 
try another way. I can't, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> so self-care, I'll actually try just to push myself. Self-care comes down to um, a consciousness and a practice for Black women. And that consciousness is something that is less talked about in sort of the traditional forms of literature that, that we know are ways of talking about self-care. Because often Black women give the critique that whatever white women are talking about when it comes to self-care, that's not us. Okay, spa day is not us. The nail shop ain't gonna cut it. Going to the mall and shopping, that's not self-care for us. That, that may cause you some more stress that you're gonna need self-care from after you didn't purchase what you couldn't afford. Okay, so that doesn't quite give us the things that we need. And then because of our intersectionality of being black and women, we have this sort of um, buildup or compounding stress and trauma that we've experienced for now hundreds of years. So that leads us to a deficit in our health where we're having our body tell us different conditions are going wrong, pains, ailments are happening, uh, maybe things are foggy, you can't get out your brain, uh, you can't get out of bed, you're tired, you fatigue, you just feel at capacity. Um, all of those are signs that something's going on with your body. And so because other women may not have that deficit in health, our self-care has to look different because our health self-care has to now heal us, which is to put us at the beginning, put us at go, so take us from the deficit, put us at go, but then it could start to do all the things it does for other women, which is to nurture them and put them into this thriving position where they're catapulted to a new level. So the consciousness is really important in that because we have to then disentangle all of the lies and stories we've been told about our existence in order to heal from our past. And so that's principle one of self-care, doing deep work, being able to identify those poisonous behaviors and patterns that you engage and disentangle them. Decide this is linked with this traumatic experience and I no longer need that. So I'm gonna move forward, which leads us to principle two, which is taking authority. After we've identified our triggers, our traumas, we've decided we wanna do something about it through step two, taking authority of our lives, whether that's through a declaration, an affirmation, a prayer, a plan, some kind of targeted action to get us to take authority over our lives. After that, we have to do some housekeeping a little bit because our step three or our principle three reconnection, we really have done a number on. We were born with the ability to determine or to differentiate between experiences. Our body is that trigger. It tells us, it keeps time, it keeps rhythm. It, it lets us know everything we need to know about ourselves. It says, now that person, I don't quite know. You don't have no evidence, but that person. <laughs> Every time. Every not them. Time. Not them. I know you don't have no proof now, but not them. Just limit your interactions with them. But what do we do? Oh no, they seem so sweet. For <laughs> 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 the people, I can't do my people like that, you know. And I'm very guilty of that one. I, I in a minute will be like, oh, well, you know, they're black, so and take some trauma that I don't need because they black. Um, but those are 
those were vibes that we were getting in our body that we were not interpreting or taking action with. So we have to reconnect to ourselves in principle three, connect to our intuition, our spiritual guides, our spiritual community, our spiritual leaders, those things that tell us what to do and, and how to perceive the world around us. We have to reconnect with those particular tools. Those three steps or those three principles, deep work, taking authority and reconnecting are all a part of building a self-care consciousness. That consciousness will heal us from this deficit that we're at and bring us to step go. Now, then we have our self-care practice, which is made up of principle four, which is exploration. And this is because we come from traditions and traditions of black women who have never practiced self-care. In fact, in much of my research, uh, participants would make jokes about different characters in their lives from Mammy to, um, what's her name? The lead character of How to Get Away with Murder, Davis, Viola Davis. Oh yeah. Her, her role as sort of beaten down, dragged down, perceived to be selfish, inconsiderate, whenever she thinks about herself, whenever she tries to save herself, it's a problem. She has right. to say everybody else, not everybody else around her are murderers. <laughs> everybody right. else. She is She's the only one who's not a murderer in the whole pack. But she got to say everybody else. That is bananas. And so we haven't been taught how to focus on ourselves, how to actually practice self-care. So we don't know. So we have to explore activities. We have to, you know, explore what it's like to have plants in your setting. We have to do yoga and see if that's our cup of tea. We have to uh, try veganism and do all these different things that may seem like fads, but we really have to explore them to see if they're appropriate for us. And once we determine that it's not nurturing us, it's not healing us, and it's not pushing us towards thriving, if it feels like we're pretending, we're not getting what we need out of it, then it's time to move on to explore something else so that you can keep figuring out what you need for your self-care practice. And then lastly, we have accountability. Because Black women, we know how we are. Centuries of taking care of everybody else. So we need principle five to keep us in line because that accountability will keep us practicing self-care whether that's through sister circles checking in with your sisters that are not users now not, not just sisters that need you not the vampires not the vampires not the ones that call you for their problems and you can't call them for your problems not them that's community service that's not your partner okay that's volunteer time that's volunteer therapy that's <laughs> not <a> friendship <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You need a sister that is on their self-care journey who is not about to wear the weight of your world on them. They're just going to listen and be like, mm, girl, but you know what? You've been saying that same thing for a long time. So when you going to do it, when you okay, well, just check in. <laughs> <laughs> or you can have a, a tracking sheet to track your self-care if you feel like you can't build that kind of relationship with other people, although Black women can tend to be social. So we tend to find someone to have that accountability with, whether it's another sister or a like-minded individual or your partner or whatever the case may be, you need some kind of accountability system to stay on track. And through exploration and accountability, you build a solid self-care practice. When you combine that consciousness you're building through the self-care practice, you heal yourself from 
many of these intergenerational traumas, the, the stuff we put ourselves through because we didn't know better a new better. But hmm. did it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so we together we need both of those things to really get us to to the level of health that we need. Right. So looking at the spiritual aspect, how important is it? So like my podcast is Afrofuturism, like radical imagination and spirituality is a big part of Afrofuturism. It is. And people like leave that part out a lot. They want to talk about like, oh, this, this, this. But like what the spiritual point, how important is it for us to be have some type of spiritual foundation um, as we heal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so two, two thoughts. People who may not see the spirituality in things do not acknowledge their lineage in the way that they do not acknowledge that they as a human are connected to the earth. Because you cannot exist in a world where humanity is the most important thing. It is detrimental to your psyche. It is just detrimental. And we know a lot of those people walking around thinking humanity is everything and and look at the climate kicking our butts our butts right now, you know? Climate 15, human zero. Uh, (laughs) They are winning. So we might as well get in communication with the environment like we were intended to be in communication with the environment. And through that, you acknowledge that there's some life, there's some energy, there's some force that connects you to the plant, that connects you to your food source, that connects you to the air, that connects you to all of the beautiful ingredients that we've taken from coal and to plastic. All of those things have a life force, a spirit that are connected to us. And so people who are, it's difficult for them to connect to that spirituality, I almost feel like it's difficult for them to take responsibility in the world. Because that's what it requires of us, acknowledging our place in an ecosystem requires us to acknowledge the spirit in all things, which means we have to change the way we treat those things. We can't be here dominating. I'm human, I run everything. Right. Being in spirit means you have to be in vibe and communication within um, things around you. And to that point, the second thought I was having was that once we're able to acknowledge our place in a cycle, in an ecosystem amongst other living things, then we can better hear the messages that are meant for us. And I think many of us live in a lonely world where we're disconnected from spirit because we're not in conversation with things that are not like us. We're only in conversation with humans, flawed humans at that, right? We're not even talking to some of the healthier humans. We're talking to some of the humans that are pretending, right? They're doing all the right things. They, they, they eat yam and stuff. They, you know, they eat kale, they burn incense, you know, they, they do the performative things. And I, I do all those things too, but I do all those things with intention, with reason. And so my point is many people, and we know these people, they do a lot of things that they think are natural 
without any intent behind it. And so because of that, they're not able to hear, they can't listen. And there's no way to be in, for me, there's no way, I know humans do it, but there's no way to be in a world and not listen. How are you only listening to other humans? Why aren't you listening to other forms of life? Why aren't you learning? I mean, literally, where, where's she at? Snake plant. I mean, she thrived irrespective of me. I do nothing. She be looking at me like boo-boo. <laughs> she don't know what to do with her life. Hold put, put, sit down. Let me let me show you how to get still in the worst of times. Let me show you how to do it. Me, I'm running around. Ah, should I give a water? Should I do this? Should I that? She's like, let me show you how to be still in the worst of times. If we're not in those kind of grounded moments where we're learning from everything around us, what do we truly expect to offer this world? All we'll do is impact other humans. And I don't know about you, but that's that's not sufficient for me. It's not sufficient just to help another human. I'm a part of a system. I, I can't do damage to one part of the ecosystem trying to save a small sliver of it. It's 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 not the way we were made so spirituality is is an essential to being able to listen being able to understand yourself understand your rhythm understand how you should see the world around you and learn from the world around you so you can actually thrive and then taking it a step further the role of the ancestor and, sure. and knowing you know being in communication with your ancestors how important is that in self-care and healing those generational things and also knowing what to not take on in this physical world? Yes, yes. I, I love the last part of that question because there's something that in my um, spiritual practice, Ifa, uh, that many of our priestesses and um, babalaos will say, they'll say your benevolent ancestors. And that is to signify that there's some of your ancestors that's ignorant. Okay, some of them still ain't right and don't have your best interest in mind. So we not calling on them. <laughs> we call no, them. We don't want them. <laughs> to help guide you. Well, here's the thing. It's like, it's like taking a picture of something and trying to make a decision based on what you see in the picture. There's a whole world outside of that picture. And so inability to communicate with your ancestors or to acknowledge them in your world is to live your life based on that that photograph in front of you. They see all the way around. They see all the things you can't see. And so they have to speak to you in order to help guide you. And this is, you know, something you can debate uh, to each their own. Some people say that we all have the same um, ancestors. When they go to the next world, it's a collective group of ancestors. They're not any individual's ancestors. They're a shared ancestor. And that's interesting to me because that, that calls on you to be mindful and respectful of other people's uh, needs and how the ancestors might be working towards other people's goals at a time. But if you believe that you, you alone have the people before you, if you believe ancestors attached to some kind of blood lineage, um, then you have to recognize that the story started before you. 
And if that's the case, you only just have a photograph. And so how dare you be out of alignment with them trying to paint the full picture? You're trying to say, no, 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 no. It's that road I need to go down. And they're like, I know you can't see it because you only looking at this image, but you actually need to go down that path. <laughs> it's an illusion. <laughs> Don't go here. Go there. You're like, no, no, no. Because see, I'm my own life. I'm my own. It's the uh, uh, uh. <laughs> but to that point, that's why. We have to do the work in self-care to make sure that we are reconnecting with our benevolent ancestors, that we understand the messages they send us, right? Because sometimes we want the message, ooh, honey, don't, don't you say this about myself. Listen, you want it to look one way? Right. <laughs> it just happened to me right? last night. Yes. Listen, you like, what? Like, oh, okay. this what it looked like. You could have sent me a genie in a bottle. Look, I didn't need the rough message you sent me. Okay? It was unnecessary. I didn't ask for it. It was painful. And they're like, but I sent you a cute message six months ago. Mm. And you didn't hear it. So now let me get ignorant real quick. <laughs> so let me shut it down, right? They just need to put stuff in my life that are like closed doors. And I'll be like, oh. thank you thank y'all thank okay (laughs) but that's because we have to reconnect and listen and sometimes they'll be telling me something and i'll be like "Mm, it can't be it can't be (laughs) it can't be i would just i would just manifest it and they're like that thing that you want is not meant to be. We are redirecting you to something else and you will be happier with that something else. But we have to build the cord, the communication line so that they can even make that call. What if you're not paying attention? What if you're not grounded? What if you don't respect the rest of life around you? What if one of these plants is the way that my ancestor communicates with me. But I'm so busy, you know, forget nature, forget the plants, forget all these things that I can't, I can't connect. That's the word. And then you miss it. And then you miss it. You miss the word. You miss the word of your ancestors. And you just lonely down the wrong path like an idiot. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So thinking about that, what as we create and get liberation and get freedom, what is the role of our self-care? Because a lot of us are just out here busted, dusty, crusty, no connection with ancestors, trauma. We just not clean, we just gucky, and we want to fight. You know, nothing is wrong with that. But what is the role of, of and how can it be implemented in a, in a practical way? Mm-hmm. So that's a loaded question. <laughs> it is. It's a loaded question. So let's start with the practicality of it. I usually say that there's there's three different well, I, I say a lot of things, but on <laughs> well, this example, there are people who 
know they need to practice self-care, but just need an opportunity. Mm. And for those people, the pandemic should have been your opportunity. I don't know how many times the answers have got to tell you, sit your behind down before you understand. And so I don't know if you see those memes where, you know, Black people, we shame each other because we understand shame, even though it is disrespectful most of the time. But sometimes <laughs> we understand shame and we're like, okay, girl, you're trying to tell me to get myself? Okay. But there's a meme. <laughs> There's a meme where they're like, if you don't come out of this pandemic with a business or something, you know, then it was you. And so for those people who are just looking for an opportunity, that saying is true. Because all they needed was a chance to sit down to take the extra two minutes to learn about themselves. Because once you actually do the self-reflection, you do the deep work, the rest will sort of move. Because you'll start getting opportunities. The ancestors will be like, okay, look at all such and such over here trying to get some work done on them. So let me give you an opportunity. Let me give you free therapy. Let me give you a girlfriend that's going through the same thing you're going through. Let me give you an opportunity to get yourself on path. So for those people looking for an opportunity, take this moment as an opportunity. Take, take the next time you walk in and the light suddenly changes red and you got to stop as an opportunity to go. Let me do something differently. Then there's people who have been practicing self-care who need to check themselves. Because we can get in the practice of self-care to the point where we are not healing. And we have to remember as Black women, it's always about healing and nurturance. Always. Always. Even if we're, for example, in my study, one of the women said, you know, she has emergency activities she does, like gets her nails done. So in an emergency emotional state, she knows, let me go sit, get my nails done, that'll calm me down. But the real prayer, she said, happens in, uh, or the real self-care happens in prayer for her. Having that distinction, having that intentionality behind it that, you know what? I'm in the kind of state where I can't think. Let me just go get my nails done. That's going to soothe my spirit so that I can get to work. And the real work is prayer. Okay, that's that. she knows her path. She knows what she has to do. We have to do those kind of checks on ourselves from time to time because it can, it can get performative. We have to come back to ourselves and say, is this? That's why exploration is continuous. That principle is continuous. because. While you're solving one problem, that works. And then you get to another problem and you're like, okay, now that strategy doesn't quite work. So I got to employ something else. So the circumstances change. Like, for example, I go to therapy, not necessarily to work out my issues because I do have some issues to work out. But I go to therapy to talk through why I starve myself because it's a recurring health behavior of mine that holds me back. And until I really, I mean, I understand it, but I don't know why it's just such a mental block, which is why when, before you started recording, my mom and I are trying to figure out food because I haven't eaten today. Same problem, I, you know, I just, uh, I see, and I don't even see the problem coming, but once I'm in it, I'm like, okay, I know this is a problem. How do I break this down? So I go to therapy. That is my taking action. That's my way of 
trying to better figure it out. What am I doing? How do I trace the steps so that I can stop getting to the same place? So we have to keep practicing. Those of us who are doing self-care, we have to keep reinventing our self-care practices and always healing and nurturing ourselves. But then there's a group of our sisters that can't practice self-care. For whatever reason, they're not even in control of their own bodies. They're not in control of their minds, whatever the case may be, um, wherever or however they, they find themselves. And so it's incumbent upon those of us on path while we're reinventing our self-care, we have to make space for those women. We have to create opportunities for those women to find help when they can. We just have to, we have to build a better world for them. We just have to. So it, it involves all of us. The, the practicality of it involves a step each way. It takes someone who is in the throes of not taking care of themselves to recognize the opportunity to then implement something to do it. Those of us who need to keep re-engineering re our plans or those of us who need to create new plans for our sisters that have no plan, that need the help. There's always some kind of something else we can be doing because that for me gets to the first part of your question, which is how do we get free? Because self-care, although it's about the self, it's not selfish. What we're doing is we're nurturing our roots, if you want to think of it that way. That if Black women are the roots from which all things sprout, if we really spend the time to make sure those roots are straight, imagine the blossom. Imagine the harvest. Instead of seeing if we can grow out of concrete, you know, what if we really tended to our roots, really, really love and sang to ourselves and took care of ourselves? So that's what we're doing. We're saving the world by saving ourselves. Because once we straight, everybody going to be straight. It's just going to ripple. It is just going to ripple. And so that's how we get free, ironically, is by healing ourselves. I know that is like the antithesis of what we were taught, that if we just muster up the last little bit of strength we have to save such and such will be satisfied like viola davis go off into the wilderness happy retire because she didn't save everybody no when we save ourselves then we save everybody so that's how we get free how foundational is risk and self-care Oh, <laughs> my sister over there in the nap ministry is doing some revolutionary teams. Listen, revolutionary teams is foundational. Be posting. I'll be like, I'm done with you. Okay, okay, whatever. She said, I don't know who this is for. Back away from the computer. Okay, let me back away. Okay. Right now, <laughs> I took note. I I saw what you said. I'm gonna take a nap right now. My girlfriend was telling me this. She said when she first met me, my first year at grad school, I used to take naps, and she was like, "I'm trying to channel the old you," and that hurt my feelings so bad. <laughs> What's wrong with the new me? She's like, "New you don't take naps." 
oh, you took naps. And I liked her. <laughs> she was a good person. <laughs> it is so, you know, the, there's a couple ways to think about this. So I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but this is what I experienced is I can move mountains with a little bit of effort if I'm rested. Every time. But if I'm exhausted, it damn near takes everything out of me to move half of the <laughs> So what that sister is doing and what other sisters who are encouraging us to rest, to fully heal, because that's what it is. The resting is the healing. And we need more of that because of all the violences we're going through as Black women. I mean, do you go past the first hour? I, I mean, I, I ask people to, to check on this. The first hour of your day. Tell me you don't remember that you're a Black woman. Hmm. It's like you brought up 15 things could have reminded you about it in that short period of time. And then what did that do for your body? It re-triggered you because it reminded you of this time that this happened and that happened and this and that and all of the trauma, the PTSD, all of that stuff comes back up. And although you, you, are, you know, you a sister, you cool, calm and collected. I'm cool. I'm on my strong, looking good. I'm fine. The inside of your body is like, <laughs> 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 the body is freaking out. Your pituitary gland, everything is freaking out. You got rapid heartbeat and you looking fine. How you doing? <laughs> Walking up in the jog. I'm just gonna not let these people get to me. Not let these people get to me. <laughs> Heart just beating. Mm -hmm. So what that rest allows us to do is heal, because that's what sleep does for us. It puts us back. I remember I said black women have to practice self-care to get to zero. We behind. That rest puts us at zero strength. Get some rest. Now you ready to move this mountain. You're ready to fight this war. You're ready to get through this battle because you are rested. You're not starting from negative 400 years. Mm. You're starting at zero. And so with that ever, you probably could pick up a pinky toe. <laughs> and make something change and you'll see that in things like the hashtag uh black in the ivory tower all of these things on twitter you'll see a lot of the complaints is that black scholars are exhausted they're having to do their research teach their classes mentor all the other black students black faculty <laughs> and do your diversity stuff on campus and then you send out a wellness email telling them to take care of themselves. How? How? <laughs> How was I supposed to do it? When was I supposed to do it? Even the rules, like I've, I've shared with you my experience at my last job where my boss told me to get rid of my crystals, that they considered it um, religious and getting in the way of their ability to work with me. Even though we didn't share an office, Wow. And that just, it was like, this small thing to you actually helps me get the work done. Like, I love these crystals in the office with me. Mm -hmm. But it's those kind of 
rules, those policies, those practices where it's almost like they want to strip down all mm. the things about you that matter to you, yeah. make you act like them, and then go, well, why aren't you happy? Well, you stripped me of all the things that make me happy, that make me unique. You want me to be like you, but Black. I can't do that. No. This is what being Black woman me is like. Crystal's in the office. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> and that's how you're going to get all these papers done. You want how many papers? Okay, cool. You're going to get all the papers published with my crystals in the office. <laughs> that's exactly how it's going to happen. That's, you know, these systems are not meant for us. We are just existing in them as best as we can. I try to remind my colleagues that are barely holding on why we're in these systems. We're in these systems waiting. We are plants. We are literally plants waiting to just uproot and thrive. And so we are not disconnected from the ecosystem of our brothers and our sisters and our, our non-binary family members who are in the streets protesting, who are in labor unions protesting, who are working menial labor just trying to get us our basic essentials and all the other things we love. We are not out of step with them. We are still in revolutionary step with them. We're just in a different system. So in academia, we have to be mindful of what our people are doing on the streets. And when they say it's time to burn, it's, time, it's our time to get out the way. As we talked about before, get Listen. out the way. When the fire coming, no problem. I'll pack me and my crystals. I'm out the way. Like, and that's the thing, the lack of self-care. People do not know their roles. They do not know their roles. They do not know their roles at all. They think more of themselves. I've, I've told a couple of my friends, it's like, you know, we're not the revolution, though, right? Oh, okay. No, we're not. Oh, you thought we would? Okay. We play our role in the revolution. That doesn't mean it's not important. I mean, our sort of saving off the worst of it through our research and the stuff that we engage is still impactful for individuals. It's still important. We are playing a role. But when things start to need to be burnt down, it's not the time for us to start pr protecting those things mm. and get in the way of our own people. We know it's toxic. We know it didn't work for us. We went through it. We shouldn't want somebody else to go through it. We barely made it through it. But that is that if you are doing the deep work on yourself, you can recognize how internalized you are. I asked a couple scholars that before, um, when I first entered academia, I was like, how do you know when you're out of step with the revolution? Like, do people say things to you? Like, how, how am I to know when I'm not? And the person couldn't give me an answer because they could not understand my question. And that was an answer for me. That is an answer because <laughs> most people really, especially people in academia, believe that they are the end all be all yep. and that they have this position over people, yep. you know, yep. and it's like, no, we are not trying to keep these things. Nope. 
Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. And even if I didn't find a problem with it or I benefited from it, because that's that's inevitable. They play these little pet games with us where some of us, they let through the cracks and then others, they don't let through the cracks. If you were really about this revolution and you're really about the collective, you will give up even those privileges you have so that everyone could have something. But there are people out here who are fighting only for their justice, not for everybody's justice. And so it, it is incumbent upon those of us who see it, because I see it, to be translators. Like I'm someone who don't throw away uh, skin folk, you know, everybody be like, oh, forget skin folk, you know, they ain't really all people. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to take their blackness. I'll talk to them. I'll try to get them to understand how they need to stay out the way. Let's not get in other Black people away. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. That'll be my job. <laughs> so that y'all don't have to talk to them and deal with them. That'll be my job because we're all needed. All of us have a role. That gets to this logic of whether or not we're sharing ancestors. Because if we're sharing one story on earth, then we all play a role. And we have to take that role seriously because we may be blocking someone else. And some people are happy to block. Maybe that's what they want to do for a living. And it satisfies their soul. I don't know that I want the wrath of the ancestors on me because I'm in Because you will feel it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no, but some people don't know that they're feeling it. They really don't. I mean, I make fun of a couple of my siblings who ain't right with God, who do shady stuff in their relationships, and then and then they'll say to me, "Well, you know, I just I don't understand why I can't come up. You know, I, I work so hard. You know, I do this job day in and day out, and it just seems like I don't ever make enough money." And I'm like, "Hmm." You ever looked at how you treat people that you supposedly love? What that got to do with it? It's all connected. It's all connected. What you put out comes back. It may not come back in the way you thought it was going to come back. It may come back in your grandkid, but it's coming back. Mm -hmm. So we just have to be mindful of all of that ecosystem that we're a part of because we're all out for this sort of system of thriving and we all can get it if we understand our role but if we're invested in someone else suffering thinking we're the only one gonna thrive uh we're gonna learn some things about nature and the ancestors before hmm. we earth hmm. and that's just that on it so <laughs> thinking about the ancestors again what ways did the ancestors use self-care in hard you know what we living in now but times 10 because mm -hmm. they were going through some real ass shit mm -hmm. so what are some moments you know of your recent moments where somebody was doing some type of self-care you yeah. know mm -hmm. yeah so one of the things the distinctions is that self-care was used specifically as revolutionary acts um in historical um in a historical perspective for black women so it might not have been continuously 
um, applied every day as we need it in the present. Um, but there are moments of revolutionary self-care. And so you can think of medicine woman, um, the ways, sorry, you see me stretching and stuff. Um, <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> I got to sitting on this uh, ceramic bathtub. Um, but getting to know relationships with plants, determining what can heal you, what energies are appropriate for you, how to make teas. I mean, you get you a good tea woman, Lord have mercy. Listen. I love me a good tea woman. Put me a concoction together real quick or a tincture. Oh, hallelujah. My current tea woman. <laughs> I always love the text message that's like, yeah, tea is ready. It's been uh, communing with the moon. Oh, hallelujah. Send it on. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> How long did it get here? Do we need to do two-day delivery? What we need to do? <laughs> I need to meet ASAP. Things like aromatherapy, which I think these things get hidden in our everyday practices because we don't talk about intentionality. So there's many of us who are addicted to smells. Mm -hmm. Smell is everything for us. Yes, really is. <laughs> And you never, you might not have known, like you might have been the perfume girl growing up. And you're just like, why was I addicted to perfumes and all these different smells and, and stuff? It's like, because you have some aromatherapy in, in your path. Like that is, that is a healing strategy for you. It's reaching out to you in the way that it can right now, because that's the way the, the world makes sense for you. But once you're ready to walk into that opportunity, that door that's open for you from the ancestors, then you'll connect with all the different ways to do aromatherapy and you'll understand yourself differently. There's other things like affirmations that black women tell themselves. I think I'm starting to rethink the notion of strength. And, and you were in that movie uh, thing that I did when, when we watched the movie and, she, and one of the speakers talked about the role of strength. And it changed my mind because at first I assumed much of what we do in research, which is like the strong black woman um, syndrome, the sojourner syndrome, the sisterella complex, all of these different ways of thinking about how women conceptualize themselves, the strong and invulnerable is actually unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And while we can draw statistical relationships between the two, whatever. I think we might be missing the point. I think if we think of strength as vulnerability, as two-sided, because I think we think of strength as one-sided, which is what we muster to get through something. But if we think of strength as the time when we are the most vulnerable, because we're having to bring together so many different parts of us, physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, we are mustering up so much. We are our most fragile in those moments. Then strength actually becomes something different. And I think there were ways that we were empowered to think about our strength. That is an act of self-care. That is not negative. That's not, oh, you know, you don't have to be strong, but it's like, you're strong because you're everything. You're strong because you're vulnerable. You're strong because you're scared. You're strong because you'll stand up. You're strong because your knees are, you know, shaking. Like you're strong because of all of those parts of you. And that's really what a strong black woman is. And so the, the stuff might have gotten lost in historical translation. 
But when she was talking about that, that just hit me like, hmm, I think our ancestors use strong black woman differently than we are currently misusing strong black woman to hide behind all that we are. When embracing it might allow us to see really all those different dimensions of us. And then there's just good old fashioned religion. Which are ways that we practice self-care, praying mm. to a creator, praying to uh, people who have passed, um, things like having rosaries and crosses and uh, candles. I grew up a, in a family that lit candles and had candles burning throughout the night and stuff to send prayers to people who had passed. Um, when my baby sister died, today is her birthday. Um, uh, we lit candles in the space where she passed so, and opened the window so that her spirit could leave the room. All of those type of rituals are acts of self-care. And in the, in the instance of death, remember, self-care for us is all about healing, healing or nurturance. And so in that act, it was an act of healing, getting towards the grief, allowing her spirit to move on, but allowing us to transition too to acknowledge that she's no longer here and that she belongs to another community and family now, the spirit realm. And so we have to respect that. So we've always had rituals, uh, these self-care practices, things like uh, be still, that I still mm. have issues with that one. It's like, why couldn't they give further instruction? Because it's literally be still. Right, they're like, be still. And what? <laughs> My God, there must be like an age advisory for be still as a self-care recommendation because at some ages you don't understand and you like be still. What? What? Like what? How do I know when I? <laughs> and then you get older and you're like, oh, let me get still real quick. I understand exactly what I'm doing now. So we have remnants of those things that were intentionally deployed. And that's what we've lost over time. The understanding of why we're deploying it and that intentionality and in why we're doing it. And, you know, you made a comment about death and what can we do to process death better? Because right now, death is intensified. Like, and even like for me, like I'm like, I don't know how much you do astrology stuff, but I have, like, a bunch of eight house Scorpio placements. So, like, I'm literally deaf, occult, all of the things. But even this period of, like, deaf and how much, I think it's that it's not being acknowledged Agreed. that all of this deaf is happening. Agreed. So, in what ways in our self-care routine can we make sure we honor, you know, we have people dying, um, have had people dying. In this period specifically, mm -hmm. what way can we kind of, you know, mm -hmm. do right? Shay, um, I'll share my journey with that. So I think it specifically falls within principle one, deep work. Because what I had to do is really understand my fears about death and understand my journey with death which for me is attached to a, a childhood in South LA and having people die very early for me, my friends, my childhood friends dying in drive-bys or police brutality. And not really understanding and no one really 
being able to talk about it because it hurts so much. And so what I did was internalize what to do when you're hurt. And that's something that needs to be excavated and disentangled because we pass trauma responses down. And so all we're doing to each other is going, this is a difficult concept, death. There's a lot of pain around it. Just get past it. Don't even try to work through it. Don't even try to heal yourself. Don't even try to do anything with it. We just live with it and we go on. And then we pass that down to everyone. Oh, we just going on. We just going on. Go to the next day. Because some of us are really hurting from it. And so what I've had to do is disentangle how I learned that from my mom. I mean, to this day, my uncle is sick right now in a nursing home. And I tell my mom every single day to call him and she never does. When people die, my mom doesn't cry. She doesn't, she's just like, oh, such and such died. Well, I wonder what's on TV. She just can't, she just can't. She can't connect, she can't. She can't deal with it. Her body tells her that we can't, we can't go there. So I had to unlearn that from her and decide what I wanted to do about it. Now, coupled with the fact that I decided my, my taking action was to read more about this in spiritual faiths, to understand the role of death, to help me decide how to deal with it. And that has benefited me. Spirituality is everything for me when it comes to grief. It is absolutely everything for me when it comes to grief. Because there are some situations where I just haven't done enough deep work on, on the situation to let it go. I, I, I lost my best friend to breast cancer. And I haven't done enough deep work on my, my real feelings about losing her feeling like it was it, it's not necessarily my fault, but that I didn't do enough, that that's why I'm stuck in this position about her death, because I won't do the work to actually disentangle it. Where there's people like my baby sister, who I went through a spiritual transformation after she died. And she also sort of redirected my life. I mean, she passed. And I mean, like Domino, she cut out all toxic people in my life. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, I'm grieving. I don't need these people out my life. <laughs> like, I, need, I need somebody to hold me. And she was like, nope, 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 nope. We don't need them. We don't need them. I left the country. I, I mean, I literally lost my mind. I left the country for a couple of months. And then when I came back, D.C., Baltimore, all these things. The reason I know you is after my sister died. I would have never left Los Angeles. I would have never left my nieces and nephews. I would have never. I would have been chasing them around, trying to make a life better for them. I would have never explored myself. My sister died and transformed my life. And so my feelings about losing her are different because I feel like she and I in that time really had a sitting down where she was like, look, I'm on the other side and I see something different for you. I'm about to clear house around you. Mm. I'm here so that I can make all these things better in our family. And I see it like she's been working on our family since she's been on the other side. 
up there just negotiating for us, putting in a good word with the creator. So when you understand that kind of stuff, you work through it differently. It's like, yeah, I want my sister here with her dopey voice and annoying laugh. But knowing I have the best ally in heaven feels different in my chest. Mm. Down Right? I feel that. I feel it. I feel it. It feels different. It's like, and she and I, she literally was like night by night going to each family member and sitting with us. We would get up and call each other like, hey, Daisy came to me last night. And she literally was telling us like, I'm good. First of all, I'm in a better place. I'm Mm -hmm. good. But secondly, I got things to do up here. What if you're not able to receive that? Mm. What if you're not connected enough spiritually to receive that? Then you're sitting, you're walking around angry. Because I lost my little sister at 23. And there's a whole hell of a lot of other people I would have traded than her to go. But that's why doing that deep work and uncovering what your real issues are. The people in my family who are struggling with it the most are the people who didn't treat my sister well. It's because they can't disentangle, do the deep work on themselves to forgive themselves for what they did, that they can't let my sister go. And it's because I don't necessarily have that grief where I'm able to go, okay, I might have done everything I need to do with my sister. No, perfect. But I've gone through the deep work with me and her relationship. I've sat with her. And then I see her in my life in the present. And I just have a different feeling about her than I do other people who, I, who I've lost. And so that that's why spirituality, that's why self-care, all of those things are come together. They're all a part of the same ecosystem of our wellness, of our well-being, of our thriving. If we're not practicing all of them, then we miss pieces. We're only looking at that photograph, I said. We don't see the larger piece of everything that's transitioning in the world. Mm. Just amazing. <laughs> I, um, I have two more questions. Um, so what do you think about self-care for the future? What does that look like? You know, I'm worried about that. Um, we have the ability to get stuck on words and not ideals. It's a human flaw. So often I see people say, you know, we don't need to say self-care. We need to say community care. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I don't see the selfless outside of the community. And so, but people who do, it gives them the opportunity to do what they've been doing, which is take care of other people and not themselves. So language is a funny thing because it inspires so many things for us. I think we, that's really the danger is that, and this is, this is all a part, let me just take it back. All of this is, is the function of colonization. Okay. Yes. Where they tease apart things into their unique uh, individual concepts that aren't related to other things. No one operates like that. That shit is not normal. 
everything is related to each other. Everything is conditional. This, that's the reason I got into statistics, okay? Even though people think that we, we produce a particular finding, every statistician will tell you, well, it depends. And people hate it because they'll be like, I thought this was precision. Well, it depends. Depends on a number of things. <laughs> the outcome we get, it depends. Everything is conditional. Everything is related to each other. We change this feature of the study, then this outcome comes. We change another feature of the study, then, then we get this outcome. Everything is related to each other. So I'm just worried in our desire to make things so finite that we will end up missing the point. Because the longer we sit in this settler, you know, this settler state, the more we adopt their ideas. Mm -hmm. And so then we start pushing it on each other and then we start having these wars. It's not self-care, it's community care. It's, it's not self-care, it's resilience. It's not this, it's that. Girl, don't nobody care. You take care of yourself. <laughs> 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 I don't care what you call it, girl. Did you take care of yourself? Oh my God. <laughs> what you want to call it? We, we don't need to go to war over concepts. Okay. We need to practice those concepts. That's what we need to do. We need not get distracted. Okay. And that includes not getting distracted with saving the world. We have to see saving ourselves as saving the world. We have to, we absolutely have to. And I think at present, we, because we have the ability to dissect it, we tend to think that self-care is just, if we do this quick little self-care activity or quick little thing, we'll be ready to save the world. It's like, no, get you right. And you will save the world by you being right. Mm -hmm. You really will. You really, really will. Take that nap and let's see what you do after the nap. Take that week and see what you do after that week. I take whole hours. Sometimes I think I congratulate myself after one task. I did one oh, thing. Listen. Oh, <laughs> Look at you, AJ. You just in these streets. <laughs> Doing these things. Hey, hey. <laughs> you better get it, girl. <laughs> Okay, well, let's let's not push too hard for the rest of the day. Okay, we'll emails for the day. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> we tackle something else tomorrow. Okay, sounds like right. today. <laughs> and then there's and you gotta feed all of that because sometimes I do the I have the kind of brain for the creative brains where ideas come to me in my sleep and that ain't nothing but the ancestors you know they ain't put something on your spirit now if you have the uh, memory capacity <laughs> to stay sleep wake up and do it hey power to you honey i am not of them people i don't come from them folk i don't know them folk uh and part <laughs> of that is like my ptsd response where i have issues with my working memory mm. so often what i do is I've learned not to judge myself. That's probably the biggest thing. I've learned not to judge my process. And so if I have one of those nights where I have ideas percolating, I get up and I do them. 
1 a.m., 2, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., I'm doing it. But then I'm adjust the rest of the day, okay? I'm not working at nine, okay? I'm sleeping at nine, okay? Things have changed. I want ancestor time. I'm not on our time. Ancestor came up with that idea at 3 a.m., okay? So, sorry. I know we had plans, but we have to adjust because ancestors was on another plan. Who knew what they went through to get that message to me? You know, so we just go honor, honor this, take this at 3 a.m., write this down, do what I can towards this. I have written whole papers at 3 a.m. Just because ancestors was like, this is how you're going to make the argument. And I'm like, I'm not going to remember this. <laughs> Let me do it. <laughs> That's a word because sometimes they just drop it and you like yes. it, it's not gonna come like this again. So no. I'm don't you walk away from it? Such a they sit up there probably making jokes like oh yo, yo human is stupid. <laughs> what you get? You got AJ again, and I know she she don't be listening. She'll be lit. What time did you give it to her? 5 a.m. What she do? Roll back over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably up there with all the jokes, laughing at us. Like, why did they even try with us? But they do. They they be dropping knowledge in the middle of your sleep. I can't tell you how many people have told me, oh, I came up with a concept in my in my sleep. I was like, yeah, you supposed to do something with that. Like, yes. Yes. Ancestors put that on your spirit. But here they go with their disconnection for themselves. I don't know. It don't seem like when I'm supposed to. I don't know what's up. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I'm not listening today. <laughs> um, and then the next, the final question is, and I know we might not even live to see this, but. In the new world that we are working to build, even though we might not see it, mm-hmm. what do you imagine self-care to look like in this world? That this world is going to be healed. Everybody's <laughs> going to have food, all the things, the basic and more and thriving. Mm-hmm. But what will self-care, what do you imagine it will look like in that setting? Mm-hmm. So the first part of it, I think, is is actually here. Because of people like my generate people in my generation and people in generation uh, after me, I'm a millennial. I really appreciate the very rude ass people coming up after me. They be I rude. do too. <laughs> They're gonna be ruder too. The generation coming behind that, they about to be ruder, and I, I'm here for it. Right, I am here for all of it. I love all the checks. I'll be like, you right? I was assuming. Go sit my ass. <laughs> they called me out on that one. Clean cut. <laughs> that was that was me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the that I think I'm actually gonna get to see is a place where black women and other women, because I think indigenous women, Pacific Islander women, I think um many women have our sort of have similarities with us and being disempowered to claim our own destinies, where we're relied on to keep people alive, but yet not trusted 
to change the world. And it's such a sort of tongue in cheek kind of situation. I always, I, I can't really stomach that one where it's like, oh, bring a black woman to fix it, but don't give her any power. Like, ain't no one your housekeeper, okay? You gonna have to go find Aunt your mama where you found her last time, okay? <laughs> I'm not the one. I'm not the one. Like, okay, okay, even she live. Even she live. Right, she, 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 she left. <laughs> she too is out there. You better re envision yourself, <laughs> re envision your needs because your helper is not here. Um, so I think we are seeing those women stand up, and I think we've seen it for a time. We had sort of this, this, we were on the incline in the 80s when you know the lovely people like Pat Parker and Audre Lorde who were just with Alice Walker whispering sweet nothings in our ears, my Angelou, and then we had the downturn in the 90s where everybody was on crack. Very strategic, smart move. All right, we need to pay attention. We know what's coming. We know what they do to disempower us, keep our eyes on the prize. Um, but now I feel like we're on the uptick again when it comes to that self-empowerment. So I think we're going to see that. I think to imagine the future that I might not be here for is a place where we're not offended by it. Because what I see now is a lot of people offended by people living in their power. Everything is about how do I say it right? How do I, you know, <clears throat> I, I told a couple of my students, I was like, offend people and then apologize. I mean, why is that such a revolutionary act? And they're like, oh, like apologize, like apologize. Oh my God, why is that so difficult? You're not supposed to get it right. We've been getting it wrong for 400 years. You're gonna get something wrong. Why are you not at peace with being wrong? All this time, you're not at peace with being wrong. And so I find that when people stand in their power and say, no, no, thank you. I don't want that. Or no, you're at my boundary. Back up. Because you're about to cross the line with me. People are made to feel guilty for that kind of self-empowerment. And I would like to envision a world where it's not, it doesn't hurt us to respect somebody's boundary. I feel like that's the healthiest kind of environment. It doesn't hurt my feeling for you to say, okay, I don't appreciate that. And me to go, you know what? My apologies. I didn't mean to do that to you. You know, just I'm doing my thing over here, girl. But now that I see that my thing offended you, I can easily make adjustments. All right, sis, take care and keep it pushing. I don't often see that in the world. I often see a lot of hurt feelings and people feeling like the world should mold to their needs. We can all get our needs met. We really can. We really can all get our needs met. So I would like to see that. Everyone getting what they need without everyone feeling the need to force someone else into their storyline. We're all just going to keep intersecting in each other's stories. It's not that deep. We. This is just not that deep. We just taking care of ourselves and loving ourselves. It ain't that damn deep. 
That's that's a word. Like <laughs> follow you you know if you want them to follow you (laughs) (laughs) you know those just facts because i'll be thinking about that stuff like man should i care listen i don't know that i i should so on twitter you can follow me at uh p as in well, you know what let's not use traditional you know what i will type it in P A Jackson. I was going, you know, do that like P is for Piper. Yeah. But then I was like, man, we always do the same traditional white ass names. (laughs) (laughs) P as in. (laughs) That's ridiculous. As in Petaluma. And do you have any upcoming announcements? Anything you want to share or no? No, no, no. I don't have any. Oh, but if you mean the job, I gotta do job. Is that what you hey, listen, sometimes you can't share with the people that type of information. So no, I don't mind because I actually have a funny look. I'm look, I am a believer. Don't get me started. I have found <clears throat> And self-care encompasses all these things. It encompasses professional self-care. So I am coming out of a very toxic situation with another Black woman where my worth was um, not appreciated, where I was specifically told things to put me down emotionally um, and psychologically. And, And even though I saw it happening, it still worked over on me and it just took me a long time to get out of it. And then... I get this opportunity with a black man, and I am definitely one of those black women who have those experiences with educated black men where I'll be like, why? No, thank you. Why? Please keep that away from me. Why you like this? Why you no, like thank this? you. So problematic. Like, oh, why can't you just get your life together? And I am so lucky. I feel like, you know, those uh, deacons that we want to preach, I found a phenomenal boss who is not only very appreciative of all the things that I bring to the table, but welcoming of my energy, my feedback, my thoughts, all of that. Like, I feel so blessed. And I was talking to a mentor the other day and said something to that effect to my mentor, who's a Black man. And he was like, you know, this feeling you have right here is called when someone appreciates your, your work never forget it and never let anyone else take you anywhere else with this feeling. I was like, you're right. I've been abused, disrespected for so long to have someone really see me and see what I bring to the table. It's like, I've had other job offers since getting that offer that would pay me considerably more. And I turned them down. 
just to go somewhere where I'll be appreciated. I'll take the pay cut to go somewhere where I'm appreciated. I'm never, I probably, I can't say I will never leave my boss, but I'm definitely probably gonna follow my boss in circles for a round. So you could find me there. <laughs> following my my boss around like what you what you need like i'll do whatever <laughs> fine being appreciated at work is like you know we all work hard we all work hard so to be appreciated for that is everything it feeds your soul so that's my professional self-care got a boss that that appreciates me and what i do and amen hallelujah i will be there with my little paycheck <laughs> oh my goodness. I'll complain about that in a year when I need a raise. Like, you know, this little paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you gotta give me more. But I did have one more. Hmm. When we think about money and self-care, that was the other one. Um, because it's so much regulation on policing, how hmm. Black women particularly spend our money. So it's like, yeah. oh, you buying bundles, but so-and-so. And I'm like, well, what's the difference in somebody buying some bundles and if I buy a bunch of hand wrap? There is no difference. So for those who do like to spend and can spend, how do you how is that in self-care and just making sure you're not letting people regulate your money well i think one thing that we're we're all capable of doing is telling people to mind their damn business okay Period. it's very easy but one thing i will press you on so i wouldn't what we beautifully do as a black community is that we apply shame and that judgment because it is a form of judgment allows us to stay collective it's what actually bonds us to each other it's a beautiful thing even though sometimes it can be dangerous so we have to find ways to appreciate that collectivity without letting it dictate how we see ourselves without ascribing someone else's thoughts to it but to just know that it's our community saying stay accountable so as I said before, if you have a little bit extra, if you're in your self-care, so if you already know, I like to look good. Like I, me and this ponytail is my friend. Okay, this might be my self-care ponytail because I always wear when I'm doing self-care stuff. So if you know you have a little bit more, you you care about how you look because it 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 gives you a different level of poise. If it feeds you in a way that is important for you, brilliant. But if you have a little bit extra stored in your self-care to feed a sister that doesn't have it. So maybe that's the collectivity that you're feeling, that someone's judging you because you're not putting out all you can in your self-care. Because remember, our self-care is relational. If you know you don't have a whole pot of self-care filled up, then what someone else say won't hit you as hard. Cause it's like, look girl, I'm barely doing, <laughs> I'm barely doing this, sis. 
okay? But it's when you know you're sitting on a little bit extra and somebody say something to you that you be like, why you all up in my business? Like, I know people just doing my thing. So that might be, instead of taking it like, they want me not to take care of myself. They want me not to love myself. They want me to practice self-care in a certain way. Switch it. Because yeah, they might be saying those things that way, but you have enough self-care in you to know that's not what they mean. That's just what they were taught to say through colonization. We were taught to put each other down. You reframe it. You go, this is just my people saying I, my cup is running over and I could probably give. So let me give some self-care to someone because they can't get it on their own. So buy your bundle and buy somebody else, you know, a necklace or something. You know, you ain't got to buy them a bundle too because as I understand, they're expensive. I'm cheap as hell, so I don't know. <laughs> I'll be looking at them. I'll be like, how much? Uh, mm, 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 mm. Mm -mm. Ain't gonna happen. I just bought a ponytail. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't, I can't invest the money. However, when it comes to other items, I will invest the money now. You, you give me the traveling and you will see me put up some money real quick for a hotel. <laughs> I'm not about to go sleep in the wilderness. I ain't that kind of girl. <laughs> I ain't that kind of girl. But if we have a little bit more give a little bit more to your sister that doesn't have anything we just got to keep reframing we got to keep 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 reframing because our people aren't they aren't wrong they're just maybe not saying it the way that we can receive it better because of their toxicity so they say who you think you are when they mean girl don't forget we just got to hear each other differently Well, this has been great. Thank you. You always say you be lying to me, Kristen. You be like, our talks is good. And then I'd be like, you sure? Okay. Yes. You, first of all, I would not lie. And you could tell if I was lying. Uh, <laughs> I trust. I feel like you have very good determination. Uh, so you would know. Kristen's like, I couldn't exert the energy. You would see it. <laughs> you would. And I'm not mad at it. <laughs> But this is good. I'll plug your social media and all of that in the um, show notes for the podcast episode. So, yay! Thank you. I hope you all enjoyed Dr. AJ's interview. I'm going to plug her social media so you can follow her. And um, I don't believe any books were mentioned, so we don't have to worry about putting any books in the show notes. But Everything will be there. My new Instagram names and email. Um, if you have any things you need to ask, email me. Um, if you have any speaking engagements you want me to do, hey, or anything you want me to talk through some stuff regarding Afrofuturism and Black radical imagination, I am ready to talk. Um, so please enjoy share the episode and i i hope it fed your spirit all right guys see you later